Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. If you're not looking at the experience from a holistic perspective, then you're going to screw up somehow and you're going to end up actually upsetting customers rather than the other way around. I've never walked up to the checkout having not found something I've wanted and just given up and then wanted to like pause my purchase process. Can I suggest that you get some cards done where you just give them to it saying, I've found everything I want. Thanks very much. Don't disturb me. I'm in the middle of a podcast. We had a whole conversation on the word intent. And this is where I think it comes back to favor talking to a human. We underestimate the power of human beings to interpret what customers are really looking for. Ryan, it's pickle time. Good. I've missed our pickles. Yeah, I I missed a pickle. Do you like do you like fried pickles? Well, yeah, I, I live in the American South. <laughs> I, I'll eat fried anything. <laughs> yeah, well, frogs, fried frogs, and don't ask sure, me what I thought sure. about fried frogs, but there you go. So the good news is we have a pickle, I, and I do like a pickle. The really good thing that I like about doing these pickles. And for those of you that don't know what a pickle is, just very briefly, it's it's a business problem that you, you may have. The reason I, I like these pickles is it matches two important things, which is A, the theory, what's happening, and why is it happening? So the theory about, well, what's the theory behind why all of these things are happening? And the practicalities of, well, what can we do about it, basically? So... Bjorn has sent us a pickle. So without further ado, I'm going to let Bjorn introduce his uh, pickle. Here's Bjorn. Perfect. Hello, Ryan and Colin, and thanks for a great show. I follow you every week. And I have a pickle, and it's about brick and mortar retail. Because now after the pandemic, of course, physical retail is bouncing back as people want real experience, real life experience after lockdowns and other other events in the past couple of years. As customer experience management is absorbed into customer science, how will that apply for brick and mortar? How can these retailers benefit from the new technologies? Thanks for considering this topic and have a great day. Interesting pickaway, right? Yeah, yeah, I like this. A timely problem. And as with most of the pickles we get, I'm sure this represents more than just Bjorn. And I think you're right, because... The whole thing about, I, I was in a store the other day, and the whole thing about the coming to, hopefully, touch wood, I always feel like I'm tempting fate when I say coming towards the end of the pandemic. Yeah, no, I think you have single-handedly extended the pandemic by at least <laughs> a year at this point. <laughs> I'm touching wood at this end, you, mate. You should stop that. Have you ever noticed why how people have rabbit's feet as lucky charms? Do they do that in America? Uh, I think that's kind of gone out of yeah favor but yes at one point that was true I, I had one when i was a kid yeah and you think to yourself it wasn't very lucky for the rabbit was it no <laughs> no it really wasn't no. 
I was in a store the other day and I was thinking to myself, it's actually quite good to be out and about and and forgetting about the pandemic. And I know that the there's, uh, as Beyond said, that there's been a bounce back, but it's clearly the market has changed. So I think Beyond's pickle is, is really timely. And for those of you that don't know what customer science is, we'll put a link in the show notes. We've done two or three podcasts on that now. I'm not going to bore you with the whole thing. But it's really the integration or the fusion between AI, data, and behavioral science. And and in my humble opinion, this is going to be the new variant of customer experience that we see moving forward. I say I'm not going to go off at a tangent and talk about all this stuff now. Any thoughts from you, any observations from you initially, Ryan, on Beyond's Pickle? It's an interesting problem to have, right? So stores and you know businesses were doing business in a certain way for a very long time, and then they were forced to transition. And then now they're kind of forced to transition back. And so I think Bjorn's perspective is a good one. Like, how do we leverage all of the new skills and technologies that we've developed as businesses by putting everything online and and really forcing digital and not just kind of go back to the way things were before is there a way to to join the best of of everything that we've learned in in physical space and in digital space and to create a a great customer experience and the answer is no it's not so sorry bjorn um we've got nothing more to say (laughs) and uh, no i think there is i think there's great opportunity there and I think we're going to explore some of those ideas now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And let me start off with a little anecdote that may sort of make this live for people a bit more. Perfect. You know, Ryan, I've lost a lot of weight recently. Okay. Uh-huh. I've had to re- effectively replace my wardrobe because I've lost 90 pounds in the, since September last year. And I've had to effectively replace my wardrobe. One of the other things, the other problem is that all of our website is full of pictures of me with the larger me. And now I've got to get pictures of the smaller me taken to change. But that's just a by the by. You think people are feeling like they're getting ripped off? Like, we, we paid for a lot more Colin than we're getting right now. I, I, was, I was doing a speech the other day in, uh, in um, Helsinki uh, in Finland. And they put this picture up of me. And I thought, bloody hell, that doesn't look like me at all. <laughs> so I, I just I stood up and said, actually, they've sent my brother. So yeah, yeah. Uh, there you go. Anyway, let me tell you this this story that, that I think highlights the part of what um, Bjorn was talking about. So I've, I've been replacing my wardrobe. So I went um, shopping to Nautica in the states. It's a it's a clothing brand for those uh, people from around the world not knowing what I'm talking about. And when I was in there, there was some offer that if I gave them my Texas number uh, and joined their reward system or whatever it is then they would give me i can't remember the the number but it was a it was quite decent because it i don't normally do that to be totally honest with you but i thought to myself yeah actually that's that 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 would be worth the pain of um getting the text through and then canceling it later basically so they give you a discount yeah if you sign up you get 15 dollars or 10 10 percent off or something like that and i thought yeah that's 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 i'll do that i started to get a few texts from them I then went on to their website. I was poking around their website looking for other bits of clothing. 
Next thing I get was a little while later, half an hour later, I got a text message from them going, we've seen that you've been on our website and had a look around. Wow. And I thought, hmm, that's good. Yeah, yeah so, that's you know, impressive. Yeah, from a customer experience perspective. Now, you say it's impressive, the next bit isn't. No. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and this highlights part of the problem with getting this stuff wrong, to be honest with you, but also I think highlights the opportunity that there's out there. So... They've sent, so they sent the, this text going, hey, you've been on, seen a bit on our website. Why not check out this piece of clothing? And I thought, oh, yeah, because it's, you know, it's 70% off or whatever it was. So I thought, yeah, okay. Clicked on the link, went through. The item of clothing they had, the only size they had was extra small. Mm. And now I know I've lost weight, but I'm not extra small. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought to myself. They believe in you, Colin. You can they do, there. yeah. Maybe I should be buying this for another six months' time. I don't know. But I don't think I'll ever get to extra small. But the point the point I'm trying to get to is this, is when I signed up, they could see that all the clothes that I were buying was buying was in large, okay? Right. When I was on the website, which then they, they text me and, and went, we've got an offer for you. We've seen you bid on the website. All the clothes I was looking at were large. So you would make the assumption if they have that technology that it's not a great not a great leap to go. We should only show Colin things that are large. I actually came off of it going. Actually, I'm now annoyed because they've they've frustrated me um, because I thought there was going to be something interesting and there's not. And you know they haven't lined up the technology. Kind of wasted your time. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a good example of the opportunity and the threat beyond so the opportunity is the integration between the online and the offline the store visits and there's a massive opportunity there i think the danger is if both if you're not looking at the experience from a holistic perspective then you're going to screw up somehow and you're going to end up actually upsetting customers rather than the other way around. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's the central challenge that their uh, firms are going to face now going online. Yeah. How do we integrate these things into this holistic experience that solves problems and creates a better experience all around? Yeah. So we've done a couple of other podcasts that people may want to check out. One was with Nissan in the Middle East, where they moved from during the pandemic, they moved from people going into the stores to that online space. So that, that would be worth checking out. And another one that was that we did that was quite popular about the whole area on sort of the, the metaverse, yeah? Mm-hmm. Because again, I think that whole area, when you talk about technology beyond, that whole area of augmented reality, again, will become important in the store. Let's go back to some basics, if we may. Because the question becomes, why would somebody go to a store? Why, in your view, Ryan, do you think someone go, physically goes to the store? I think that this is the most important question to ask. Like This is the, the key starting point. We're at a place now where for almost anything that you buy, there's a reasonable opportunity to buy it in person or an opportunity to buy it online it's useful to consider that motivation. What is it that people are getting out of these various channels? It could be that the same person has different needs 
at different points in time. Maybe you need it immediately, or, or maybe you're buying it in a different way or for a different purpose. It's also possible that these are different segments where some people just prefer shopping online in general, or some people prefer shopping in person in general. But you can think about the different advantages and disadvantages of each. So one of the primary differences between a brick and mortar place and a and an online exchange is the presence of people. And this is both good and bad. So there are some people who enjoy interacting with other people, and there are some people for whom that's a point of friction. And so are you considering when people are shopping online, how are you going to make up for the lack of that human presence? Are you considering when people are shopping in person, are we making the, the, the human presence something that facilitates instead of detracts? This is such a petty thing, but the grocery store that I shop at have very clearly trained their checkout clerks to ask every single customer if they've found everything that they wanted. Now, I'm sure that the the motivation was pure. I'm sure that they really want to help with it. I find it, though, I go grocery shopping fairly frequently. I find it immensely annoying. Like, I, <laughs> I have to pause whatever podcast I'm listening to so that I can answer this inane question. I've never walked up to the checkout having not found something I've wanted and just given up and then wanted to, like, pause my purchase process. Can I suggest that you get some cards done? where you just give them to it saying, I've found everything I want. Thanks very much. Don't disturb me. I'm in the middle of a podcast. Or maybe a t-shirt. Like, a t-shirt, um, yeah. Just point to. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I try not to get annoyed with, with the clerks because they've been trained to do this. They're obviously trying to be helpful. But at the same time, it is a point of view. Like, I wonder, out of every hundred customers they ask, how many are like, you know what? I couldn't find the tomatoes. And I would love if you could like hold up the line while you send somebody to get tomatoes. I don't know. People. People is one primary difference. I was looking for a nuclear bomb and I couldn't right. find it. Is there any chance of you having a look in the back room for me? Yeah. Could you, I mean, just check the shelves. Maybe it's up high somewhere. <laughs> I don't, yeah. yeah. Have you so, got, so that's one got difference. Have you got a Geiger counter so you can see where it is? So let me build on that then yeah. because, I was doing my due diligence on Beyond's problem, and I came across a report written by McKinsey, Perfect. which again, we will put in the show notes, which is actually called What's Next for Digital Consumers, May 23rd, 2021. Okay, and it's a, it a good report. And there's one particular aspect of it that I wanted to raise, which I, I thought was was interesting. Because so the question was, loads of stats in the report. One of the things it said was, some consumers were driven to digital channels because of COVID-19 or for convenience, but others still per preferred the physical channel, okay? So let me give you some stats because I think it adds to the debate. So 45% of people, the main reason for them switching to digital was the pandemic. Okay, I think everybody knows that. But 43% was because of its of a greater convenience and availability okay mm. obviously they've been forced down that digital route but to build on your point the main reasons for not switching to digital i.e to carry on going to a store 48 percent prefer going to the store and to your point 24 percent favor talking to a human being okay which i think is really interesting because i actually did a webinar i.e six months ago, 
with a company called Group Buy. And Group Buy are really in, I think, this whole customer science space. Okay. They work with a number of retailers and they started to work with Google. Okay. And they started to use Google data as a source to supplement what they know about people. So again, let me take a step back. If you looked at, let's just use that uh, Nautica as an example, they would know when I joined, they would, I can't remember exactly the details I filled out, but maybe I shouldn't talk about them generically, but generically they would know who am, who am I, where am I living? They may have even found out my age. They know the usual sort of demographic information, okay? What this company Group Buy were doing was they were, they'd started to augment their existing data with Google data. And one of the really interesting conversations that we were having, and I'm going to get back to what you were saying, but I'm trying to put some context behind the reason I'm telling you of this thought, is that one of the interesting conversations we were having with Google was that when people put a search term into a search whether it's Google or whether it's a, an online retailer. The interesting thing is, what do actually people mean by that word? Sure. We had a whole conversation on the word intent, okay? And this is where I think it comes back to favor talking to a human because we we underestimate the power of human beings to interpret what customers are really looking for rather than I've got I don't know how many characters to put in a search bar that's got to interpret what I actually want does that make sense oh absolutely yeah um I mean I in a slightly different context I recently had to take my car in for a problem it was having and I know nothing about cars and so it was very intimidating for me and difficult to try to explain the problem in such a way that this mechanic would be able to understand and solve the problem. Yeah. And I was relying on the expertise of the mechanic. Uh, I was relying on this human being who knew something. If I had to type it into a search bar so that I could find the, the solution to this problem, I, I would be hopeless. Sure. And so yeah, there are, there are certain problems where as good as artificial intelligence bots are getting, humans are just better at making those soft connections between things. What? Google have done over the years is again we've we've all been there haven't we we put in one word it doesn't come up with the results so we put in another word it doesn't come up with the results so we put in another word we end up clicking on some links we end up then spending x amount of time on one website which you can therefore infer these are the words that people are using to finally get to this space which is one of the reasons why when you type in on Google now, you probably notice that it comes up with like six or seven different phrases underneath it Yeah, because of all of that. Now, start to go back to Beyond's problem. Start to think about your website and start to think about when you're doing searches for on your website, is it intelligent enough to understand what the customer's intent is? Are you even collecting the data that says this is what the customer's typing in and this is where they're ending up. 
And are you then building that into the overall your overall systems? And are you building that into the profile, if you like, of that customer? Because again, I would have thought that's what should have been happening. So Nautica should have understood that I was looking for, I would be typically looking for large clothes. Clearly, I could be looking for clothes for somebody else. But typically, I would be looking at that. That's the default position. And that should have been added to the profile to create a much better experience. Absolutely. So Ryan, have you heard of the People's Choice Podcast Award? Sure. It's an opportunity for people to uh, tell the industry which podcasts are their favorites. I assume you're asking for no particular reason at all right now. No particular reason other than to ask the listeners out there and our audience listening in to just go down below, click on the link, cast your vote. We're in the business section, the Intuitive Customer Podcast. It would really mean a lot to Ryan and I if you could make that vote. Thanks very much. It would. Thank you. So I I think this whole area of talking to a human being becomes really important, doesn't it? Yeah, potentially. But again, it's useful to think of it in terms of advantages and disadvantages and also in terms of segmentation. So again, there are some people who like interacting with people and other people who don't. There are opportunities where human understanding can really facilitate communication and can make things a lot easier. And then there are times when it just introduces noise uh, and it can be more difficult. If you think about an expert consumer, you know, if you like Colin, you know, know a lot about guitars. You've been learning how to play the guitar for the past several years. If you walk into a, a shop that sells guitars, you may know exactly what you want. And so it's just a matter of, of finding it. It may have been easier for you to do that by interfacing with a, a computer than with interfacing with a, a human being. Right. So yeah. it's not that one is better and, and one is is worse. It's just that they, they kind of do different things. And so can you leverage the strengths of both of those things you know are there opportunities within the physical space for people to interact with a computer rather than with a sales clerk because that would be more efficient and more useful for that segment of customers in that specific purchase paradigm likewise are are there opportunities on your website to interact through chat or some other feature with a human being if that facilitates so this is where i think it gets really fascinating because when you I mean, and I, I, have... I think everything I said was fascinating. But okay, if you want to start here, that's fine. That's fine. Well, I'm just about to raise a topic that you may disagree with me on. So, oh, good. Yeah. I like those. Good. So, so under normal circumstances, you and I would say segmentation. How many segments should you have? I think we would typically say six to eight segments, something like that, in that round. You know, not masses. But I think that. In the customer science world, I think there could be hundreds of segments, okay? Because as you were talking about that sort of guitar example, I was thinking about what have I done? And I'm then thinking, I'm older. I like talking to people, okay? Mm -hmm. So rather than I'm not a millennial, I like talking to somebody to get their advice. But I also feel a bit embarrassed if I'm going in and talking to an expert and I know not very much about the topic yeah Mm. or that I've been playing guitar for three years and maybe there are some things that I should know that I don't know right you feel like you're being tested 
Well, yeah, and you think this, oh, well, bloody hell, I should, I should know that, but clearly I don't. So I personally would go, mm, yeah, I'm going to look online first because I don't want to go in and look to be some bloody idiot going, you know, not know what he's talking about. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is, whereas before in the old world you would have eight segments, I think you're going to end up with, because of AI and it effectively being automatic because you can then teach AI to learn these different segments, I think you could end up with effectively hundreds of segments, yeah? And effectively that those segments to be dynamic depending upon what the customer has done. So, for instance, maybe after five years, I am going to be more happy going in and talking about this subject to a person because I know all those things. How would you know that? Well, you'd know that through my behavior. So again, where does it come from with Bjorn's point? So you'd know that from what am I searching on, on your website? And not only that is how many times have I gone into your store? So what's the visit ratio? Has the the visit ratio gone up? Has the average order size gone up? What's the revenue per visit? In fact, I'm going to let you get a word in edgeways because I'm I'm getting excited now. Oh, I've I've learned to just stand back. It's <laughs> <laughs> excited. Nobody wants to get injured by stepping in the. <laughs> I do think that there's there's opportunities for thinking in new ways. I don't, I don't want us to get too far off topic. This actually sounds like maybe a debate for an, another episode that we could have. I think that there's there's different ways we can think about segments and kind of the number of segments. Part of the advantage of segmentation is around making strategic level decisions. So I think that there's a danger in turning over too much of that to an AI system. Sure. I think you're right. I think that AI systems can match and kind of individually target people and create custom offerings and custom messaging. And that's a real advantage of AI. But now we've taken that out of our hands. AI systems are usually black boxes. We don't know why the AI system has slotted this person into this segment and this person into this segment. We just know that it's it's happening. And so it's, it's difficult to use that to make a strategic level decision. So if we think about segmentation from kind of a strategy perspective and a tactical stra- perspective, I do still think there's an advantage for a discrete number of segments that we understand so that we can make decisions. At a tactical level, though, like sending out individual emails or text messages, or I think that that text message that you got from Nautica was probably through an AI system, and it was probably customized to a certain extent, customized poorly, perhaps, right? But they could have matched that exactly to your needs. And so if we're looking at segmentation from that perspective tactically, I think there's tremendous opportunity there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I, I think the interesting thing, and this this only goes to show how this sort of customer science topic is is new. I think you may be right that maybe the way I should describe it is it's like sub segments. Yeah, yeah. So maybe there are because you're right, you can't have sort of hundreds of segments and then define a strategy. But you could absolutely go, well, here are our eight segments, and that actually they break down into all these other other ones that are sort of formed below that. But I think that, for me, goes to show that this is an exciting field and, and people are starting to 
think about this stuff, basically. And presents an opportunity to think about some of these old ideas in completely new and different ways, which is very exciting. I think the key, though, Bjorn, is what you've got to think about is you've got to think about where that integration between the online world and the store world is. So in other words, where Nautica, what they did was they asked for the text message, what obviously what lots of organizations are doing now are setting up reward schemes and getting your contact details, which is all fine, okay? But those that's like the linchpin between those two worlds. And what is it that you can then do to encourage people to go into the store and how do you then monitor whether they've come into the store because of that and it could be because you've offered them some form of special discount or some form of i don't know a show or something that you're putting on because again i think the whole area of places becoming experiences rather than just shopping is important and then the other key for me is you've got to collect that data okay and that's going to be the really important part is you've got to collect the data and being able to use it and use that in interesting ways so beyond we hope that's been of use to you ryan any last thoughts from you anything you want to throw in at the end in terms of just kind of looking at this thing front to back i guess just a couple of summary points You mentioned early on, Colin, the importance of a holistic experience. I can't emphasize that enough. We very naturally on the business side divide these approaches up. Well, we're going to have a a team that works on the website. We're going to have a team that works on e-commerce. We're going to have a team that works on our, our retail store. From the customer's perspective, it's all the same thing. And so if we're not integrating those different touch points well and not treating it as, oh, well, there is a discrete digital experience and a discrete retail experience. No, it's just an experience with your brand. So you really need to look at this holistically and try to integrate those. The other point that I would I would encourage Bjorn and anyone else concerned about this to look at, are there opportunities to use digital through an app, through an in-store computer to reduce pain points on the physical side? Like look at the, the customer journey when people are in the store, what is not working well? Can we use digital to solve those problems? And then are there ways to incorporate kind of non-digital meat space ideas into your digital? Like, can we can we get some human beings involved in this process at some point to reduce pain points on that side? I think that's where the, the real advantages are going to come. We were all in person to a certain extent before. We went all online for a little while. Now we're in, in this this space where we have both. Can we use the advantages of each modality simultaneously to just make things better overall for everyone? I think that's the opportunity. Yeah, no, and I agree. And, and, and I think at the end of the day, it's going to always be difficult for people. We've talked about this before, but people want to touch things. People want to see the, you know, the scale of things. People want to physically hold things and go, would that be suitable for me? Whatever it may be, a bit of furniture or maybe whatever. So I, I think that that space is always going to be there. It's the integration that's the key thing. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, just a reminder, it would be really great if you could vote for us in the People's Choice Podcast Award. The voting is only in the month of July. The link is in the show notes, and it really doesn't take long to cast your vote. And it would really mean a lot to both Ryan and I. 
Thanks very much. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.